1: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of
0: the London Is Blue podcast. Your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. All right. Back-to-back back weeks with two pods in a week. Listeners, our friends, what do you guys think? You liking this? You- Are you sick of us yet? You need more of us? You just got to let us know. But, you know, we are part two this week, so joining me are Nick and Dan back with us again. We do have Mike jumping in from Rainier Blues, and Naz staying on, doing a double shift with us. Thanks so much, man.
2: No worries, guys. I can't get enough of you boys.
1: No. (laughs) You say that now. I can't quit you. (laughs) Let's see if you say that after we come visit over the December, January time window. I think I will be. All right. We
0: don't want to run him off too soon, Dan. So here we go. Obviously, we will be doing social media questions and we will look ahead at the Newcastle match coming up later in the week. But holy smokes, do we have a ton of questions coming from you guys on the just everything about Chelsea. So we're going to get stuck into that. But, you know, first off, Nick, uh, you know, last episode we talked about a huge milestone on social media. And that's kind of something that, you know, is great for us. But. We actually have another update on the Veterans Community Project, which is an awesome update, not only for the, the veterans in Kansas City, but for our listeners.
3: Correct. Yeah. So uh, for those who listened to part two last week, you would have heard our interview with Chris Stout, who is the CEO of Veterans Community Project. Uh, he is a fantastic guy. They're a fantastic organization. We smashed our goal of $1,500 to raise for them. Um, we had a, we had hundred and fifty percent of that goal, so we just raised over about 2100 bucks. So very proud of that. Uh, for those who won prizes, we announced who, who those people were uh, last week on the show. Uh, those will go out this week. I will be in communication. I apologize for the delay uh, of a week. Uh, I had a hellish week at work. So I, I just want to make everyone know that that will happen. Uh, on another update is that we have successfully sent all of that money to, uh, VCP, uh, via the rally up tool that we used for the donations. So all of that money is already to them so they can start using it. Finally, you know, to everyone who donated and there were 40 people, uh, I don't have enough time to, to rattle off 40 names, but uh, I'm going to rattle off a few who donated uh, a threshold above $100, uh, for this. Uh, for this effort that we put together, Chad Harris, Elena Barreo, Tony Baruso, Jake uh, Pellroy, Connor Beedling, Eric Barnes, Brett Wilkerson, Bradley Wood, and Derek Kernan Johnson, you guys are all fucking legends. I cannot emphasize enough how awesome uh, your donations were. And um, you know, if there's anything that we can do or any causes that you guys want to 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 throw our way, just please let us know. Uh, but just from the bottom of our hearts, on the show. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Indeed. Loved all those donations. But we are going to move on into these social media questions. Kicking it off with our Patreon members, as always, Perks is supporting us. So uh, we have one from Mark, who actually, Mike, giving you a shout out, says he's loving having Mike from Washington on the podcast. So here's your first public plaudits for, for you know, being on the radio side of this. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Uh, his question, what do you all want to see change defensively? Also, what player from Bosque Country would you like on Chelsea? London is blue, y'all. Well, we can definitely agree on the London is blue. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, Dan, for you, is there, you know, we kind of talked about it the last time, but defensively, is there any big changes you think that Chelsea should jump into after two matches
1: this season? The defensive line moving in unison with the midfield line would probably be the snappy answer back to it. But I think the the biggest change is asking for and continuing the conversation around a temporary stay of changing the existing like the existing four players because I think they need time to settle they need time to build you know, rigidity in the way that they play and you know we saw that under Antonio Conte where you know, we didn't have great defensive solidity initially over multiple games in, you know, his kind of first tenure with the club. And it ended up, you know, we we figured it out. We started not shipping goals, and it became a really great experience. So, you know, I think, Mike, you know, ultimately, like I would rather that we just kind of stay put, hold the pot for a little bit, and then see how it goes before just making wholesale changes and dropping two new in and then taking two out, because I think it's just going to lead to the same issue that we're seeing right now. Also, I just want
4: to... Oh, go ahead, Mike. So, I say, Dan, I have to agree 100 as our, uh, I guess, as our pod uh, defender and center back. You know, I think um, a lot of times the back four will get uh, a lot of shtick for um, conceding goals, but very much as we've seen, you know, when, when when our center backs are picking up forwards, and then you see midfielders marauding into the top of the box, you, you know, it gives that you know, there's two bad decisions or two two bad spots in that spot you can either come off of your man to step to the ball which opens it up easily for the ball to be passed to that open you know forward or you stay still and you give a, you know you give them a look from you know 15 10 yards which again is still not great defensively so I think once we can once we can get those that midfield to, to cover and run you know mark into the box with their with their men I think we're going to see a huge difference Nick, you want to jump in on that?
3: Uh, just wanted to quickly say, and it has nothing to do with the excellent tactical analysis that was just given. But uh, Eden Hazard saying London is blue on the uh, on the old Instagram yesterday just warmed warmed my heart, and is the primary reason that we named our show what we named it. So, uh, if you can see me smiling through the airwaves, that's what I'm doing. No, absolutely. Uh, that was that was great to hear from
0: him. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and. I guess moving on to, to Keppa, So Ariza Balago getting in from at Marvito dude. Or Marvito dude. I think I might have been saying that wrong for like three years. Marvin, you haven't even told me. So that's on you. He asks, are you worried about Keppa? Two glaring mistakes and could have been another in the second. Uh, now, I, you know, he's new. I get it. But this league is unforgiving. Aspie error again for the second goal, just like last week at Huddersfield. Losing his man too easily. Uh, Jared on day three on Instagram saying, should Kepa have saved that first goal? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that if he would have saved it, it would have been a really good save. The fact that he got a hand on both of them probably doesn't do him any favors aesthetically being like, oh, he was that close. He should have done better. Naz, I don't know if there was some groans and moans in the stands on on either of those goals from him. But personally, I thought that um, his his positioning was good and I don't know, you know, just... both, I think you know um, uh, who the first shot from um, I can't remember now. The Arsenal guy, yada yada, came from M- United.
2: Mkhitaryan. Yeah, Mkhitaryan. yeah.
0: So I think he, he hit his really, really, really well. Um, so I don't know. Those are point blank saves he's making on the second one. So Naz, any any kind of reactions from the stands?
2: Yeah, I think that I think that the the criticism was fair. I think a lot of people looked to him and thought. Man, he should have done better. I think I think you're kind of right though as well that it's a bit harsh. I mean, I think that a truly world class goalkeeper would have pulled off a world class save there, but it would have took a world class save to stop it. And I think Kepper maybe fell short of the 71 million price tag there, but. He's just joined. The £71 million price tag doesn't really reflect his true value. He's not there yet. They've got a long-term investment in this goalkeeper, and he will be pulling off those saves in the future, hopefully. But that one slipped through. I think most goalkeepers wouldn't have been able to save that. Maybe one or two would. um, But I think most goalkeepers in world football would have failed. And some people calling him chocolate wrists. That's kind of a criticism that gets labelled at players when they get their hands to it. But they don't save it. Harsh for me. He got down. The shot was hit so hard, and those low those low shots where they're just about to hit the turf, they're the hardest ones to save. It was good technique from Mkhitaryan. I mean, he could have saved it, but he didn't. I think that it didn't look that bad to me. Yeah, it was just sort of one of those borderline. If he saved it, we'd all have been going, wow, that's one of the saves of the season. He didn't do it. Yeah, never mind. I mean you could also look at loads of aspects of the defending there as 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 he's put in this comment with Aspilicueta Quetta losing his man but you know it's a systemic thing like we were saying you know the the problems of the defense go throughout the team they go from everyone from Morata back to the defense so um everyone needs to do their job um and i just wanted to touch upon which bass players would you like to see sign for Chelsea uh, that was a question put to the pod uh it's quite a strange one, but, you know, I'm Eric Laporte uh, from Man City. Pretty uh, pretty decent player. Somebody like him would have been a great fit at Chelsea. Um, you know, and I can tell you Antonio Conte's answer would have been Fernando Llorente. He really wanted Llorente. They ended up with Giroud, who's probably better, but uh, Llorente would have been Conte's guy for sure. He wanted that big striker and a striker that could work with Morata and help him. And, uh, yeah, he got one in the end, but it wasn't Llorente, the Basque striker who now plays for Spurs. You look, Drew all day. We'll just leave it at that. Um, how, about, how about... the World day- Cup winner.
0: Uh, that's true. We need to get their titles official. We probably should go re-record <laughs> the first episode where we didn't mention N'Golo is the World Cup winner because he's too modest. He doesn't want anyone to know. <laughs>
2: every every time you say the name, say World Cup winner N'Golo Kante. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a privilege. Uh, how about the debut of Mateo Kovacic? Um... A bit of a maybe midfield dilemma now going forward, Nick. I don't know. At, at PhilMe747, our buddy Phil Tran, asking, what are our thoughts on the Kovacic's debut? Does he slot right into the first team when match fit over Barkley? What do you think? I mean, stats were crazy
3: impressive. Did you see those? Oh, that, did I see those? Yes. Uh, the The best <laughs> part about Chelsea Twitter is that when a impressive stat uh, emerges from the depths of Opta or wherever it's coming from, Chelsea Twitter takes it and just blasts it everywhere. You know, it's like it's like people who put like the their own stickers on like you know lamp posts and things like that. That's like Chelsea Twitter with impressive stats. Um, I do I I think he was a difference maker yesterday. He looked really impressive. I had a hard time uh, with the TV vantage point. Telling him and Hazard apart, Uh, same haircut, same stature, kind of same dribbling style. Like, he he just seemed like a a man possessed out there yesterday. And I do think that, you know, just like we said last week, uh, when he is kind of fully match fit and aware of the system, that he will be a key difference maker and a regular starter uh, in the Premier League for Chelsea. He just seems like he has a little bit more uh, I will, however, say uh, on Barkley, I think that Barkley played really well yesterday in the time that he had. The only thing that worries me is that I, I think most fans you know, would, would look at his time at Everton and say, man, he had a really great you know, kind of attacking rhythm in his play when he was at Everton. And the team was kind of structured around his style, at least in the midfield. I, I hope he gets that kind of... Uh, I hope he gets the guts to shoot and shoot accurately a little bit more. Because if he does that will potentially provide Maurizio Sari with something to think about. If he's going to play that advanced role, and I'm going to, I'm going to pass it to uh, to Dan after this for his comments, but if, if Barkley somehow redevelops that kind of long-distance rocket shot that he had, um, then he's going to be really interesting to take in, Dan.
1: Yeah, we, we threw out a little question this morning uh, before we recorded, just asking for some fan opinions uh, because I think all of us are, are generally pretty excited about what Kovacic did in thirty minutes, which was you know uh, have you know three tackles, two fouls, one one take on uh, forty three of uh, forty three passes completed, fifty four touches of the ball, and uh, I think Hazard's last number was seventeen, which made it even more difficult to tell the, the two of them apart but uh, there were a couple fun ones uh, one saying that it was an 18 plus uh, experience to watch Kovacic on the pitch uh, one saying that he was too much class uh, he's going to be perfect in that role uh, some say he was good looked <laughs> great in the ball worked his butt off so it, generally everyone's extremely excited and you know he spoke pretty positively afterwards just saying that he was you know happy with the win that he's enjoyed the fact that you know, there's there's a club who wants him here who wants him to be successful so continuing some of that conversation from the Real Madrid thank you for my opportunity Instagram post that you know if this goes really well that you know he might want to stay in sw6 permanently and you know again I think it's it's early days I think we have to be you have to temper that but the first little flashes in a 30 minute debut slash cameo were extremely positive and you know and Hazard wanted better players and he wanted people that he could play with and were going to help elevate his game and elevate what we're you know capable of as a club and I think Kovacic does that just that
0: Naz you saw the statistical magic happen in person does he dazzle on the pitch like he does on the TV screen
2: Oh man what a debut it's amazing I mean to come in after 2 weeks You know, just training with these guys to come in and make that kind of impact. A guy who is on the outskirts of Real Madrid, a guy who was kind of on strike, a bit like Courtois was at Real Madrid, for him to come in and establish himself uh, it was a, it was a big statement, I thought. I thought, I'm a little bit worried for Ross Barkley that he's gonna lose his place very quickly to this guy, and, and that's football. It's a cruel game, and Barkley's done very well. He did very well in pre-season. Um, and he, you know, he's done his homework on Maurizio Sari's system, and all that, but I just think, I just think Kovacic is a natural fit, and I think he knows Sari trusts him. I think he came to the club, and got assurances from Sari that he'd play a lot. Um, I think Sari likes his style of play. Uh, he clearly wasn't satisfied with the midfielders he had, and Chelsea have a lot of midfielders. Sari wasn't satisfied, and he went for Kovacic, despite having all these guys in the dressing room. And I just think, so, I just think that Kovacic is destined to win the battle, and it's going to be a three-man midfield this season of Kovacic, Kante, and Jorginho. And that's with people like Fabregas, who we're not even talking about because he's injured, um, still in the mix, so. Yeah, it's, it's crazy competition in that position, and I think Kovacic is ready to win the competition. I, I was so impressed. Um, he couldn't really have done any more with the sort of background that he's come from, and I just think his style of play fits this system, this style of football, and everything Maurizio Sarri is about perfectly.
4: Yeah, I, I want to jump in here and say, if, if, you, if you watch towards the end of the game, there's a moment and you can just see this absolute smile on Eden's face. And it's because he's realizing that he has somewhat of a clone on the pitch who uh, is, is taking his turn getting the, his, the shit kicked out of his shins. Um, so it, it definitely takes some of the pressure off of Eden. But, you know, I think as far as, you know, when it comes to Barkley and, and Ruben, I don't look at this this position to me as a very much like a oh this is the varsity squad and these are the J V guys. I think we're looking for the first time in a while that we're looking at this is, you know, this is maybe the primary squad, but these guys slot in at different games and I think you know, um, uh, for all those Mighty Duck fans, I think Ruben and Barkley are going to be our bash brothers. And I think when we're going to West Brom or Stoke, you know, in the winter and it's 30 degrees and raining, that that these guys are going to be the people that we want to play in certain aspects. And I think it's just going to give um, our squad the flexibility that we have not had in the past. And, and while I do think that, you know, Jorginho and Kovacic and Conte and, um, will be the primary starting three, I think we're going to see plenty of Barkley and and hopefully Ruben in the midfield as well.
3: Let's hope we avoid a rainy night at Stoke in the FA Cup or or the uh, or the Carabao Cup, um, as they are not as they are not in the league anymore. Yeah, so we did get a question from
0: Akindale underscore Olaideji saying, after today's performance, do you think Chelsea should do whatever possible to buy him? No. I mean, I think that they're going to do a lot to buy him, but there's a lot of season to go. Let's just make sure that we can keep him kind of humming along at this high standard. But as you guys have talked about, this has implications on the roster. You know, Barkley has been making improvement. That's what at big underscore Nash 88 is saying that Barkley had improved compared to the first game. And it's right, he has. And I bet if he were to continue to get a consistent run, we would find a really good Ross Barkley in there. But I don't know if it's going to happen. And then you get into Ruben, who has said, I am staying this season to fight for my place. I think we really need to look at at what this is going to mean for him. Obviously, there are only three spots available. One, two of them will always be decided, as long as they're healthy, with World Cup winner Angolo Conte and Jorginho as well. So... At Sam Joe two five nine saying thoughts on not seeing RLC or drink water on the bench. Dan, just forget the drink water part. And then at Seb Larson 08 <laughs> you know, talking about our midfield and RLC. So Dan, no RLC on the bench. Same thing from Jask- well, yeah.
1: Jaskik Samir five on Instagram. People
0: want to know where's he at.
1: Well, I think you know it goes down to again. You you made the perfect point. That if we're looking at this as a, as a depth chart, you know, you have World Cup winner N'Golo Kante, number one, uh, two-time Premier League champion as well, and uh, FA Cup winner. If we want to just continue making sure that we, uh, you know, give him all the plaudits uh, as if possible. Uh, second would be, you know, Jorginho. Third would be Kovacic. And then you kind of get down into breaking down you know where does sesk where does barkley where does drinkwater and where does ruben loftus cheek kind of end up in that ranking beyond the the top you know top 3 i think you're seeing barkley has earned minutes ahead of sesk so you know he would be kind of that 4 then you would have ruben sesk kind of fighting for the, the fifth spot um and then you know drinkwater is somewhere in the 7th and you know that may be siberia that may be you know um <laughs> the Bahamas I don't know where that actually is from a location standpoint you probably need some level of GPS tracker kind of inputted into his like his skull or something to kind of track where his movements are going to be this season um because they won't be necessarily tracked by opt on the pitch um yeah I, I just I I really I I'm concerned because we went from having Ruben Loftus-Cheek play 90 minutes of competitive football at Crystal Palace last season having him excel you know, in some cameo appearances for England in the World Cup, Naz. And I, I just wonder, what does that mean for him this season? Will he get enough time? And how does that kind of have some trickle-down effect onto what other players see from the academy perspective? Of Are, are they, again, concerned after seeing a really nice run for Christensen last season and his promotion, but then seeing Ruben kind of just push back down the pipe here if that makes them question, you know, well, should I kind of be trying so hard to be on Chelsea's first team? Cause it's not going to happen.
2: I think, yeah, I think Ruben's a very important guy for Chelsea, you know, not in terms of, not in terms of, you know, being a key player like in Hazard, but I mean, in terms of the image of Chelsea football club, if Ruben doesn't make it and said, yeah, he's a Chelsea Academy product, but he came from, they bought him from Bronby. He's, uh, he's, He's Danish of course he's you know he, Chelsea did a lot of work in producing him but and did some great scouting but he's not really uh, a true academy product but whereas Loftus-Cheek was supposed to be the guy that made it everyone knows it everyone it, it's not even in debate everyone wants him to make it you know the people like Shalabar who left they would be hoping he made it you know Ev- everything that Chelsea sort of sort of invested in that academy the one that wins all the time Loftus-Cheek is sort of the figurehead of that and and if he fails, um, and you know the fact he dropped out of the matchday squad, it just shows a complete disconnect between the first team and the rest of the system. And I think that can hurt morale. And I think the morale is already low. Um, and it won't help. It won't help. And and Loftus Cheek's position um, is a very interesting one politically for Chelsea. Um, there needs to be some guys who make it. Uh, I think that. It's not Sari's fault, because Sari has to get the results quickly and instantly, and if there's a better midfielder available, we know that Chelsea, uh, you know, they won't trust their managers generally to, to build up slowly. They need to get the results now, Um and it's not easy, and Sari's already up against it with not having long to work with these players. So, I can, I feel, I feel sympathy with everyone involved, but it's just a bit of a sad state of affairs to see, loftus Sheep not make it everyone wants him to make it and uh, you know it, it would be great but yeah I think that it's not great for his development I think he's right to try and fight one last time because if he can't make it this season then uh, he might as well give up he might as well move on Chelsea should sell him let him go and his contract's running down a little bit I think He won't go on loan unless he renews his contract. So that could be an issue for Chelsea as well. He's, he's kind of coming into the last two, two, three years of his contract. And, um, for me, uh, it might be, he might have the necessary leverage to leave. And certainly in England, he's a respected player. Chelsea's academy players are respected. Um, it's just that Chelsea's hiring and firing of managers. They wanted Conte to stay for a long time, but it was impossible in the end. And, they need to have stability to give guys like Loftus Cheek a chance for the for the trusted guys to make it. Hudson Odoi might be that guy if Sari sticks around for many years. Hudson Odoi might get his chance because he'll get time to build trust with Sari. Sari can teach him everything he needs to know to play Sari ball, and maybe for Loftus Cheek, it's just been too turbulent at Chelsea to really make his impact.
4: Can I can I just jump in and I, I know we have we've, we've preached saying that we need to give Sari time. Uh to me, I think I think that a lot of times when we're talking about Ruben, I think I think we all are all looking worst case of okay, this is his last chance is he going to get it. But I I I think personally that I think these are the right steps to take. I think Sari's identifying him and saying, "Yes, we want him to be a key part of our team, but he needs to, you know, it's just like a quarterback" You know, on a new squad, sometimes it takes people a little bit longer to, you know, to learn that rule book or playbook. And I think the way I see it is we're giving him a little bit of time because if we, you know, if we're all happy and we, we flip the script and, you know, Ruben starts the last two games and, you know, we draw with Arsenal and we maybe squeak out a win against Huddersfield or, you know, we're down points. I think us sitting on six points with or without having Ruben seeing the bench. I think we're in a better position, especially if the communication to him is, you know, y- your time is coming. We're still doing this, but, you know, figure out the system. And when you step into into games, we're not going to have the pressure we would as as we as you would on Arsenal right now with any of their youth players sitting on on zero points. Right. So that that's my take. Um, I think there's time for Ruben.
2: Would Ruben be a better player though if he was a Crystal Palace player at 19? I think potentially he would have been a regular first-teamer, 200 Premier League games under his belt. I think Ruben is—he's been an outstanding player in English youth teams, and I think that maybe the Chelsea system doesn't help him, and I think that he's been—he's been quite unlucky. Um, You know, football is so competitive and it's so difficult to make it Chelsea I don't think anything should be handed to Ruben but I just think that sometimes being at these top clubs is just really difficult for the youngsters Man City will have the exact same problem and they do have the same problem Phil Foden dropped for He's, he was exceptional against Chelsea in the Community Shield. Then as soon as the Premier League came round, Hudson O'Doy was dropped from Chelsea, Phil Foden was dropped from Man City, and all the top six clubs have this same issue. And maybe the top six clubs are difficult places to develop. Maybe Bar Spurs. Um, and I feel kind of sorry for Ruben. And, uh, he faces really incredibly difficult choice, um, because I'm sure he loves Chelsea and he would love to be a Chelsea guy. Um, but yeah, it's a crossroads with Kovačić obviously impressing so so much.
3: Uh, really, yeah. really quick, last point on this, and and I wanna I wanna keep it moving. But uh, I think the as we we're you know a lot of salient points made. But I think the the key for me, at least as this pipeline gets you know kind of keep it, it keeps getting rejected, I should say, is for me there is no similar style of play. For a you know a person who's rolling through the youth team to be slotted into you know this sorry ball if if sorry ball is kind of the future for Chelsea it, the the youth teams have been playing kind of a similar style bar formation for a long time a really attacking inventive style of play and then like last year you get into Antonio Conte's more rigid defensive style and there's no way to slot in immediately and I think that's one of the key things for me personally is. You know, there there kinda needs to be players that are, are tailor made for positions to come up. We identified Reese James as potential, you know, backup to, to Cesar Pilicoeta at right back. Maybe that's a an opportunity coming through as well. But I just want to throw that out because I think that it's just as dependent on the manager and the decisions that they make and the transfers and the you know, the whatever the club's strategy is going to be moving forward as it is about kind of a similar playing style and having a, a you know kind of a tailor-made replacement as as the youth gets pumped in well Well done
0: you guys well well done really pretty much covered everything so i'm gonna move it on actually to something a little bit lighter but still kind of funny uh at collier dave seven eight on twitter saying what what are the chances of us scoring and conceding the most goals this season (laughs) i think that uh Uh, based on the start of the season, this one could be uh, pretty interesting. Nick, uh, what do you think? Uh,
3: It's from from one Dave Collier. Um, Scoring, no, not even close. I mean, City already has a plus-seven goal differential, and it's been two games. They're absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Hopefully not conceding, then, if if we are not going to be the top scorers. Uh, I, I said this last week, and I think it holds true, Mike, that as we adapt to this higher line kind of 15 yard gap, you know, the team moving together, that there will be some cheap goals conceded. And I just hope that that period doesn't extend too long.
4: Yeah, I I don't think it will. I think that's a pretty easy fix. Um, I would, you know, will we score the most goals? No, but are we going to, you know, shipping a ton of them. Yes. I mean, yesterday was an absolute joy for me to watch. And while we conceded, I think the overall just excitement of seeing us play attractive football, like I almost didn't even care about the two goals, uh, you know, so uh, good question, but I think uh, no on both points. Here you go. Naz from I, I am Haman 08 saying, what's
0: the club's stance on sorry and smoking? <laughs>
2: Yeah, kind of an interesting one, I guess. Uh Yeah, I think, obviously, the club knows he's a big smoker, so you don't hire a guy who is well-known for putting them away and have a problem with it, so it's clear that it's no problem. They would do anything to help him, really, in, in being successful as Chelsea manager, so they were prepared to sort of build smoking booths and, and all this kind of thing and help him, Uh but I don't think there's any infrastructure really needed to help Tari. I think he's... He's been quite sort of understanding, even though it kind of gets in the way of his habit. Um, He's here to be Chelsea manager. He's not here to smoke cigarettes. That's his secondary thing. He's here to be a success in England in in Chelsea's uh, dugout. And this is a huge job for him. He's so happy to be here. And uh, he does whatever he can to make it work. So it's obviously absolutely no issue. And, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of overplayed. But... It's kind of a fun fact. You don't see many managers who like to <laughs> to hit the hit the cigarettes these days. They're kind of going out of fashion. But I like that about Sari. He's not. He doesn't care what people think. He does things his way. And uh, if he wants to smoke, he'll have a smoke.
0: I mean, Dan. He is the epitome of, you know, he's he's relaxing a lot of things at the club too. Like. Ketchup is back, and salt is back. Like reversing <laughs> a lot of the things that Conte was was big on uh, banning from from Cobb's Cafeteria. Like,
1: sorrys, he's an open minded guy. Well, I know that Nick watched as well, has watched the premiere of this season of Ballers, where uh, one of the characters, who's now the GM for a team, comes in and finds out that Cookie Day had been canceled, and then immediately (laughs) brings Cookie Day back to Aurora's applause. So uh, not a bad idea to reverse sometimes unpopular policies as a way to ingratiate people to you. But I think the club could do one of two things for sorry, because I feel bad for the guy just gnawing away on the filter uh, one would be to introduce him to patches, which we have talked about before, uh, and the other would be to sign a long-term deal with uh, Nicorette or one of the you know nicotine gum companies. Uh, I, I know that we have a, a health insurance sponsor now this season, so it might fly a little bit in the face of that, but it seems like there's a good marketing opportunity. And one thing that we've never missed out on as a club, you know, we've, we've missed sitters in front of goal. We've never missed out on a good opportunity to commercialize an opportunity. And uh, I feel like there's one here
3: we have been to the cobham uh training ground and and i will tell you that there was a lot of healthy food in the cafeteria so i think it's a place now under Mauricio, sorry that we are going to be able to find something that we like guys to eat which i think is is really what they were going for here yeah exactly um moving on to maratha
0: so we had two questions from instagram uh dylan underscore samson and jacob hedges one both saying now that Murata has, has scored, do you think that his confidence will really be a boost to him? And then at Jay Kingiello Jordi chiming in saying, over under, Maratta scores 15 league goals for the club. Um, I, th- I think it's, you know, obviously there's no secret. Maurizio, he's even coming out and said, like, Murata needs confidence. You know, Naz, you've reported on it on his pregame and post-match press conferences, really, that, like, that's the life of a striker. If they aren't scoring they need to score because it gains confidence and then everything is good in their world. And so I think that, um, you know, is this immediately he's going to go on a six match scoring streak? Probably not. But I think it is important that he gets, you know, uh, about one every, I don't know, 100 and, 120 minutes or so, about one every game and a half. Uh, I think that would really kind of get him to the level that we, we hope he to be. But, you know, now as we talked about it previously, like, it's not all going to be on his shoulders. These attacking midfielders and wingers are going to hopefully carry a lot of the load for him and help him out.
2: It's true. It's clear he needs some help, and um, yeah, but it was a massive goal. It was a massive goal, and he—he's a confidence player. He—he he seemed to say that he didn't th- care what people think of him when he scored the goal in his celebration, and. I don't think that's true, Alvaro. I think you do care. Uh, he just seems to hear the noises that comes out and, and the pressure's huge, you know, 70 million pound, uh new country, the whole, you know, it feels like the whole world, world turned on him. He's a lightning rod for criticism sometimes. He's the guy who gets criticised, but... I think he's going to be one of these strikers who's quite hot and cold. He's not going to be uh 40-goal-a-season man. Uh, but, you know, Diego Costa was a hot-and-cold striker too. He had patches where he didn't really score goals. So I think he needs to improve. It's, uh, we all know that's clear. I do think he can go on a good run. Uh, I think he can go on a good run now. Um He's, he's taken a lot of steps to improve, I think. You know, his body language has improved. I think that a lot of people at Chelsea hope that, um, him having a child can help him, you know, just sort of keep him a little bit more level. He seems to be, there's, you know, there's evidence to suggest that, you know, he really is affected by goal droughts and there's plenty of evidence to suggest that his record, his body language, the people who've covered him, even interviews he's given where he talks about depression, um, you know, he, how Buffon helped him at Juventus when he went through a goal drought, uh, because he, he saw he was so clearly distraught. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's a mental game being a striker and Murata is still a young guy. He's still, Getting to grips with things, um, and he could still become a truly great player. But I kind of suspect that he's going to be hot and cold a lot, um, and the team are going to have to help him. Um, and I still think he can be an important player for Chelsea. And Costa, all of a sudden, he's left Chelsea and he's the best player in the world. He just scored, <laughs> he just scored goals against Real Madrid in the Super Cup. Um, but we forget that he he had bad periods at Chelsea and periods of huge criticism. So. Morata um, is kind of the same sort of beast and yeah it'll be interesting to see where he can take his game from here but I'm quite positive I've put him in my fantasy team so I put my money where my mouth is as well on that.
0: that that's some big stuff right there I mean wow uh, putting him in your fantasy team going after chasing the quick cash
2: I've got a lot of criticism there, but you know, I thought go for something a bit different and try and set myself apart from the others.
3: Yeah. Can I can I quickly chime in on this one? Uh, I I think in ter- like we kind of wax poetic on the goal in part one. I think the thing that impressed me most about him yesterday, and talking Murata, is th- some of the runs that he made that didn't get noticed by a lot of people were the right runs. It, it, it's almost like he's getting the feel back for when to go, you know, when to play on the shoulder, when to, you know, kind of come and get the ball. And I you know, I think some of that movement is like, you know, that that to me is what was eye-opening. And I'm, I'm really happy for him if he can start to get that back because if he does, he's going to be a real threat. And I don't know what number of goals he's going to get this year, Brandon, but, man, that the movement, even if it takes a, a runner away from William or Hazard or Pedro, that can make the world a difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
4: no, absolutely. Yeah. And just, just, just to jump in right here as well. While while we're giving out titles to people or players in the podcast, I think you got to look at Dave, Chelsea captain, uh, assist player, to breaker of chains because he has taken a humongous weight off of Murata's back. I think he's freed him to you know start the season in, in the right in the right vein. I mean, he started last season off in great form too. So we
0: just have to, you know, have the consistency from him. And hopefully he stays healthy. I know that is a huge part of it. Uh, here's a bit of a, a curveball for you guys. Uh, Dan from At Tosser of Coin asks, what position is our weakest link?
1: That is a wonderful question. Yeah. And uh, I think until proven that he can deliver uh, you know the the requisite 15 20 goals that we're all hoping for this season. I I do think you know our our striking kind of core is not not great. It's not fantastic to have uh, Maratta Jarru and then Tammy Abraham as our kind of three. I think in other areas you're starting to see that we have some good positional depth and while they may not be indoctrinated into, you know, Sari's philosophy at this point and, and, you know, a true disciple. There are things where, from a striking standpoint, they're all a little different from one another. There's not maybe their, you know, right kind of makeup across the three of them. And that's probably where I would have the the biggest concern because then you look at, you know, some of our biggest title challengers in, you know, City have Aguero, Jesus, uh, you know, they've got tons of talent there, you know, you've got Firmino, who, you know, Mane, um, you know, kind of in the option at Liverpool. So there's, you know, I think that's where I see the gap, Nick.
3: I would look at that, that left center back position right now is, is one that, you know, even though I love David Luiz, I think that, you know, I think he might be a little too error prone in this first phase to maybe keep his job. Um, Maybe, you know, and I, I think as, as a person who loves him, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think right now that backline just has to have a, a kind of clear and direct leader to organize things. And so either he becomes that or someone else does. That's the thing I would look at right now.
0: Naz, if you had to uh, pick on someone in the squad right now, who do you think Chelsea's weakest link is? Again, two matches into the season.
2: It's still Maratta. It's still Alvaro Maratta, just um and the strikers in general, not just Maratta, but the fact that Giroud doesn't score enough goals, the fact that the uh attacking midfielders they do score quite a few but it's not an exceptional amount to pick up from the shortfall of the strikers. I think goals is a huge problem. Um I think that full back is an issue as well, and um you know, it's hard to judge Keppa yet but um, you know we'll see we'll see what he's all about really and uh, it's a big step up and i think maybe the first season is going to be a transitional year for him it's a huge change um and i i know that he is going to get hounded in the media if he makes one mistake and it's going to take a really strong mentality to resist that so for me th- those are the kind of weaknesses but yeah, Morata's has kind of got a proven track record. It is a problem that Chelsea doesn't have a striker that's banging in the goals week in, week out. And, uh, you know, I think that undermines the team a little bit, but it, they could get over it. He could get over it. And I think that that's why he is so important because I don't think Giroud's ever going to be the guy who's going to get 20 goals a season. And, uh, you know, we saw at the World Cup he was brilliant, but he wasn't a goal scorer. So he's great for balance. He's great for bringing in the other guys into play, but... He's not the biggest goal threat in the world, so yeah. For me, Murata's very important, but he could also be—he could be so important for Chelsea, such a big investment that that is actually the weakness of the team.
0: All right, and just to clarify, that was World Cup winning Olivier Giroud that we were talking about. Don't don't be confused, <laughs> um, uh, Mike. I'm going to need you to talk some sense into my man at Star Stress here, uh, who tweeted out saying, "How can he fight the urge to be one of in quotations those guys?" And get the Chelsea 1819 Champions tattoo tomorrow. Oh. Lol. Oh.
4: Help him. Oh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I think if you're gonna go, go big, and I'm, I'm saying go tramp stamp. <laughs> Never and, mind. You know, now, can I get someone I'll, else yeah. to win? Yeah. On this <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Let's <laughs> yeah. reel that back. Real. And, and quick. Make, let's make this. You know, a why stop there? Better make it a double. You know, get that Europa <laughs> League trophy there too. So yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Did not see that coming. That's. Huh. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> Quickly moving on. <laughs> well, okay, Brandon. What's our next question?
0: At Depreef <laughs> FC 93 saying what? Uh, or no, no, sorry. Will Cahill be a blue at the end of this transfer window, meaning the end of August? Uh, Naz, any rumors that Gary Cahill might be going abroad?
2: No, I, I can't see it really. I think Cahill is, um, you know, he's going to stick around. It's kind of hard for some of these guys to even escape Chelsea. They have a bloated squad clearly, but. Um, yeah, it is a worry for him. He's one of the guys who's not being selected, um, but you know he's a sort of senior figure. I think that his contract's up at the end of the season, so it would make much more sense for him to stick around. He's a sort of a club legend. He is a club legend. Let's be honest. He has won everything at Chelsea, and he's played in Champions League finals for Chelsea. So he's a very important figure. Let's let's just say that this guy. Um, you know he's got value to stick around. John Terry at the end of his Chelsea career, he didn't really play a lot. He was a big figure in the dressing room. Those kind of guys can have an impact on the pitch even when they don't play, uh, because they're so respected and they provide a link with the fans, with the sort of academy. Um, and I think there's great value in Cahill. So for me. I think it's impossible. And I obviously, I think that we would leave Chelsea short at center back, even, you know, in terms of, you know, backup options. I really think though, that this could be the beginning of the end for him. Uh, even though for this season, I think he will sort of stick around and provide maybe a supporting role instead of a leading role as he has done in other seasons. I don't know what you guys think.
0: Look, he's won it all with Chelsea. Uh He, provides tremendous amount of leadership with an English core, but when it comes to our playing options, you know, we I just think that we do have some better options to to go with. And that's kind of what we're seeing. I know he played a lot last season in the back three, but um, you know, there there were moments that you know we you just wished he would have been able to deal with the situation a little bit better. So nothing but admiration and support from our side. But I think it's just as with every you know, big club, you want to bring in better, more dynamic players every time you can. So it's it's nothing against him. It's just we are blessed to have a, a stacked group of center backs. You know, we even really you know we talked a little bit about Christensen too as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys fighting for just those two spots week in, week out. And we all know that defensively you, you don't want to change guys in and out. You want the same four or five, whatever your formation is, in all season long. Um, because of those partnerships that we talked a bit about in the first episode. They're so important to build. All right, let's go ahead, uh, leave Cahill alone. We're going to love and respect him, but we're going to move on to the match preview for this coming weekend. Chelsea will be playing Newcastle United in the Premier League at St. James's Park on Sunday, August 26th. Uh, Newcastle is sitting with four points right now after losing at home uh, to Spurs, and then drawing 0 away at Cardiff. Um, and, you know, Dan, the big thing that we're getting really at this point is projected lineups. You are our lineup announcer, our lineup guy. Uh, it's been copy-paste for the first two games. Um, do you think it's going to be any different, even though we've got some Instagram questions kind of asking for changes to be made?
1: Yeah, I think we got a couple questions around the idea of, you know, would Hazard start and and so that how does that affect Pedro and William? I think this could be the match that Hazard ends up starting. You know, he looked brilliant in a cameo appearance here and, you know, has has added extreme value. I think Kovacic, you know, came in a a little bit later. So, you know, he potentially could still be a cameo appearance. So you can look for Ross Barkley to uh, start in that capacity, I wouldn't make any changes to the defense heading into that match. And I mean, really, you know, Nick, it's, it, you know, Newcastle are kind of in a bit of, you know, challenging spot right now with, you know, a, a really terrible performance by Kennedy this last match. Uh, had a penalty in the 95th minute, absolutely just delivered an awful take on it. Should have been potentially set off. You know, could be subject to retrospective, at, you know, review of that. And uh, yeah, was was not a great game, and they they look really really disjointed heading into the match, which should be great for us.
3: One would hope that we can have a somewhat easy go of it up there. Um, typically, it's a difficult place for Chelsea to play. I don't think our record over the last fifteen years at St James's Park is is very good at all. I, I don't have those stats in front of me, but. Uh, I know that we looked absolutely useless up there in May. So uh, my hope is that we get a couple of these pieces in. I would not start Giroud over Morata. Having just got a goal, I think Morata needs to continue to build confidence. Uh, but I think um, my my major take would be that Hazard comes in. Uh, I think William might be a little bit more useful in this match personally than Pedro in terms of the counter. And let's see what happens. I, I think Chelsea might run out 2-1 winners.
0: Naz, you're going to be headed uh, to Newcastle this coming weekend. Uh, What are you most looking forward about uh, this match? And, you know, obviously we talked a little bit before the podcast we really got on about, you know, how much you love uh, St. James's Park for being one of your, like, traditional, such a great ground based on the heritage and everything. But, you know, no offense, we're coming at it from, we want Chelsea to get three points. Newcastle seemed to be floundering a little bit, up and down. Um, You know, I don't remember who said it, but Apparently, Benitez's odds-on favorite to get the sack for the season all seems like a great opportunity for Chelsea.
2: Yeah, it's a good time to play this Newcastle side. I think they're all over the place, really. Um, I think that they're so poor, so short. What Rafa Benitez did last season was a phenomenal effort and to repeat it would take another phenomenal effort. I think they're still a mediocre team that could easily get relegated and Chelsea should be beating them pretty easily, especially in this circumstance and Chelsea are in great shape at the moment. They've won two games, everyone's fit apart from Fabregas. Um, man, it's, it's, it's really stacked in Chelsea's favour. So my, my kind of, you know, my kind of belief is that, uh, yeah, I think Hazard might be the only change. I don't think Sari's going to make major changes until we start to get to two games a week. And then we might see, you know, the players on the fringes get a real chance to sort of break their way back in. But Hazard is a special case. And I think that that might be, uh, like, like, like Dan was saying, it might be the game where he comes in. Um, I think that there's a little hint towards the end of the press conference that he might be ready next week, I think maybe Barkley will just about retain his place Um and I think that there's, there's those two positions are really, uh there's players on the bench gunning for them and I think Hazard will get his spot and Barkley will stay in Um but yeah, Chelsea should be winning this one, you know, if they don't It'll be a big surprise to a lot of people. Um, And I think that, you you know, get some Chelsea players in your fantasy team people because uh, they're going to get a few goals, maybe a clean sheet up there. And it doesn't matter about the atmosphere when your team are not up to scratch. So that's kind of my take on that. Uh, Probably good news for you, Brendan, there.
0: I love it. All about it. What about you, Mike, though? I mean, this is a chance for us to cut down on that goal difference. I know that uh, the clean sheet to goal... Uh, competition between Keppa and Murata is—it's uh, a pretty intense tie, one to one.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'm going with a a three-one score prediction this week. Um, you look at Newcastle losing their uh, starting right back to red card, uh, and you got to think that Eden and Alonso are just you know licking their chops, waiting to go at that backup. Um, I do think that. You know, um, Shelby or AKA Voldemort will work a little bit of magic, <laughs> maybe get something going. But uh, I think three one that feels right to me. I think I think we'll win, but um, Newcastle always seems to get in uh, a shot or two. So I'm I'm confident that we'll we'll beat them. All right. Well, we won't give our
0: predictions just yet. Dan, will get them later in the week, but you can make sure to check. Uh, no,
1: it. I already I already got mine. I got yeah, it. So right. did I. Yep. Yeah, we're prepared.
0: Okay, well, don't worry about it. Spoilers have been (laughs) distributed. Um, (laughs) Anyways, Naz, part two, you're an absolute champ. Staying up late with us. Really, really appreciate uh, hanging out with us for part two. Thank you again
2: no worries anytime man i'll just enjoy the company and uh you guys talk a lot of sense uh yeah apart from the tattoo thing i i think might go wrong there
0: <laughs> <laughs> we might need I'm to i'm not really the one getting the tattoo but you know hey go for it sean might need to point out put out
3: like an official statement of the pods <laughs> our actual stance the uh, London Blue podcast does not endorse or support the can it can it be with the corner trend. flag
1: there you know just making sure a corner flag official statement you Yeah, know it'll be like yeah. 56 characters it'll be very short yep it'll be great i love it um anyways
0: uh that is it for part 2 again two pods in a week Hope you're enjoying it. Let us know what you want. Make sure to get your questions in every week because we will go through and answer them now that we have more time. But Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And until we get to review the Newcastle match, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.